Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. Today's sermon was preached in Hope Sound, Florida at Seabreeze Camp Meeting by H.E. Shmuel in 1987. He titles this sermon, What is Your Life? I trust you will enjoy this powerful message. Keep passing it on, keep passing it on and on. Keep passing it on, keep passing it on, keep passing it on and on. It's always a joy to meet the people of God across the country, and it's always a great pleasure to work with God's good men. Appreciate working with our neighbors here. The Edwardses are always delightful. Told Lois, coming down, I said, Wilford will take his liberty. We should have good, free camp. The Lord will use the Edwards family to help break up the ice. And I knew Brother Carroll had a ministry likewise that would uh, delight and bless us and encourage us. And his ministry has been a real source of inspiration for us every morning. Brother Buston has an excellent, wholesome, solid ministry. I appreciated his emphasis on revival and drawing nigh to God. It's still true. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. God has been drawing nigh for some time. The kind of meetings we've been having here, in my mind and heart, only grant additional encouragement because we've been seeing him move across the country. Some time back in camp meetings, revival meetings, Little churches here and there, the Spirit of God has been moving, and He's still moving. And the good days are yet ahead, the best days. Let's keep praying, obeying, believing. Let's gather together as much as we can from time to time, from place to place, in camp meetings. Let's go back to the old concept of working together. They have a revival in town. Let's get in and give them a hand. They may do it a little bit differently than we do it, but let's ask God to help us to see the work done. I believe we can have revival in this day. So I guess part of the next large gathering will be at Dayton, Ohio, April 21, 22, and 23. And we probably have a couple thousand, maybe 21, 2,200 people here tonight. In those two and a half days, you can multiply that by probably at least four or five. And we just need to keep building the fire and building toward revival, praying and preaching and obeying and uh, crowding the issue. Amen.
we can have revival in this day. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. If I didn't believe it, I'd hang up my shingle. I didn't believe God could do something for us. I'd throw up my hands and quit. But I believe with all my heart we can have a real outpouring of His Spirit. If one fellow can be revived, then two or three can be revived. If two or three can be revived, then a local church can be revived. If a local church can be revived, then a number of churches in an area can be revived, or in a district, or in a conference. Friends, if God can revive one old stick, He can revive two or more. Let's believe God for great things. Believe Him and pray for great things from the Lord. Thank you again for your kind words and your prayers. And now I trust tonight you'll pray for me. This is a, hopefully this will be a lesson and a message that will be addressed to people who are outside the grace of God, the unconverted. You know, all of our marching around the walls mean little unless they come tumbling down. Amen. So all of our efforts in revival are aimed at getting people in the fountain. And tonight I know there are many unconverted people here that need grace from heaven. So let us stand. And you pray and let us read together in God's Word in the Epistle of James. Once again, thank you for everything. God bless you, everyone. James chapter 4, beginning to read with verse 13. Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. You may be seated. I'd like to talk to us a little while tonight from a theme suggested in this section. What? is your life. What is your life? There are three things I'd like to mention just briefly and have your attention and your prayers and come to a close. Well, life is a mystery. Your life may become a mess if it's been left to you or it may become a miracle if it's given to Jesus. Your life a mystery. It's a vapor. It appeareth for a little season. And then, like morning fog or mist, it vanisheth away. You see, friends, this world is not the beginning of things. You may have, you started here, but this world is still not the beginning of life. This world is not the center of life. At least it ought not to be your center. And this world is not the end of life. There's another land. There's another world. Those who are right with God know there's a 
land that is fairer than day. By faith we see it afar. You and I are looking for a city that has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. Life's a mysterious thing, and this world is not the center of it, nor the end of it, nor the beginning of it. There's another land where life is life indeed, and life abundant. Scientists of our day are spending a lot of time, have been for a long while, trying to figure and fiddle with the beginning of life. Scientists have been able to do a lot of things that almost looks like life, almost behaves like life, but it's not. They have a formula whereby they can make an egg, looks like an egg, fries like an egg, works in a cake like an egg, tastes like an egg, but it just doesn't hatch like an egg. They've come up with a substance that looks like milk, tastes like milk smells like milk, behaves like milk when you put it in pudding or put it in a cake or some other recipe. But calves feeding on the scientific milk get scrawny and skinny and die. Neither the egg nor the milk had a peculiar something, something a substance called life that God gives it. You and I are alive tonight, but we don't know for how long. And you and I are alive tonight, but we do not know how well we shall be living even six months from now. There are levels of life in this world. There's abundant life. That's the kind of life you see on the playground out here, where the youngsters are screaming and hollering and carrying on. That's the kind of life we had at the little red schoolhouse I attended uh, as a boy, just a one-room schoolhouse, walking some two, two and a half miles one way in the bitter New York cold to go to school, feed on cold biscuits and maybe a little milk or a little nothing more than cold water. That little one-room schoolhouse was a hotbed of life. I used to think it was really great when the teacher would cry about, oh, 9.30 or 10. It varied somewhat. It could vary as much as 15 or 20 minutes. She'd pull her goggles down, and she'd look out, and she'd say, Recess! Recess! And when she hollered, Recess, let me tell you things really. How many ever attended a one-room schoolhouse? Look at the educated people that are here. I declare. I How many never did? But you put your, you poor illiterate, you, you've really missed something. Let me tell you, pal. Well, when she hollered, recess, let me tell you whatever that word. I hear preachers use this word pandemonium. I wish they'd tell me what it means, but apparently it's some kind of word that means a lot of activity. 
when the teacher would holler recess, let me say in the matter of probably 60 seconds, all kinds of frictions and tensions were being relieved in the yard. A couple of fellows that didn't have time to settle it before they went inside are in the process of leveling out and taking care of it now that they're outside. The girls are playing Red Rover, Red Rover, let Skinny come over. And all those wonderful things are happening in just a moment of time. That's abundant life. Well, some of you used to know about that. You don't have too much of that left. There's another level. There's life, you know. And then there's just vegetating, the kind of uh, just sort of hanging on with a whisper and a whimper and uh, looking down the street for either the social security check or the undertaker, and you wonder who's going to get there first. <laughs> well, that's another level of life. But the life I'm talking about is that life that's in the city where they need no sun. Life in the city where the leaves never fade and where the sun never sets and where the clear river of crystal flows out of the throne of God and where the trees line the, the river and around the sea of glass mingle for, with fire and those trees and their leaves and their fruit are for the healing of the nation. My friend, whatever you and I must go through here, no matter how inconvenient or uncomfortable it may be at camp meetings or conventions or in the little house you live in or wherever it may be or on the mission field, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So let us run the race. Till we see Christ, your life, your life may become a mess. Your life will be a mess if it's left to you. These people say, uh, they speak up and they say, now let us go into a certain city and stay there a year and we'll buy and sell and we'll get gain. They're doing their own thing. They're living their own way. They're going to, they should have said, if God wills, they should have taken God into consideration. But like many people in the world, like many here tonight, uh, they don't bother God with getting instructions or information or direction. They'll do their own thing. If you do your own thing, you're bound to make a mess of it. How many of you fellas are good with a hammer and a saw and a screwdriver and a tool kit. Would you put your hand? You're fairly good. Would you put your hands up? All right. How many of you folks are not? Would you put yours up? How many of you people are like the preacher tonight that when you get, whether you get a screen door or whether it's a deep freeze or whether it's an air conditioner or whether it's some toy that your grandchild has brought in or something else your wife has picked up downtown like a clothes rack with the ins all in a box and the instructions and the screws and the nuts and the bolts are on the inside. How many of you fellas can really put the thing together without her help? Would you put your hand up? Without her help? Well, there's a very simple lesson that I have learned. If I would do it exactly opposite of what I perceive it to be, it would be right the first time. But I'm very poor at that kind of thing. I always make a mess out of it. 
Even though there's instructions in there, the dumbbells that make instructions that sit down behind mahogany desks with computers don't seem to know how to speak in just plain old-fashioned Americanese so I can comprehend the thing. And they seem to have the numbers in the wrong place and the wrong nuts and the wrong bulls for the other spot. And nothing really seems to go together. And in the end, I would have been farther ahead to spend $10 more and got the thing already assembled. But friend, many of us are, use poor judgment when it comes to putting things like that together. And we survive because it really isn't all that important or whether we have the things strung together in just quite the right way or not. We may have to turn it upside down so it works. But anyhow, we'll get by as long as she doesn't complain too much about it. But friends, here's your life. Here's your life. It's here but a moment. It's just a short time. You appear on the screen of life, so to speak, and you're just a blip. You appear for just a moment and then you're gone. Oh, friend, you have gone, you have gone out of this world, but you have departed to a far distant land. And friend, it's important what you do with the life that you have. Your life is an opportunity. Your life is a golden journey that can be traversed, but you must have the map, you must have the guide, you must have instruction, you must have direction. You can't make it by yourself. Wherever men and women have tried to do it by themselves, they've made a mess out of it. You may have a lot of gifts tonight. You may have a lot of abilities. You may have athletic uh, ability, and uh, you might even have a ability that would enable you to rival a fellow like Mickey Mantle or Pete Rose or maybe even George Brett. I, I know there's some very gifted fellows around here. I've watched them playing football or basketball or volleyball. Uh, some of the older fellows like Jim Olson are a little on the heavy side, and they can't get off of the ground too far. But... But they're still trying. Those old fellows, you know, they're still working. At the, but some of you young fellows do have ability. And uh, you might have the gifts that would really make an excellent sports star. There are others around here that just seem to have a lot of brute strength. You can tell it by looking at how tight they wear their T-shirts and how they strut across the grounds. And they sort of imagine themselves to be the refrigerator or somebody's linebacker. And then there are others around here that might have some scientific skill, that might somehow or other uh, rival Einstein or uh, maybe some of the other great scientists of another day. You might develop these skills, athletic skills, intellectual skills, uh, uh, the musical skill. You might have tremendous musical skills. You may have the ability to become a Paderewski. You may even be a Liberace. You could even be an Archie Coon. But, my friend, if you merely develop your musical side or the athletic side or the scientific side, you'll make a mess out of it. You might have acting skill and become a Rock Hudson, and, uh, or you might have other ability and become a Clark Gable. You might have body beauty and become a Marilyn Monroe or a Liz Taylor or even a Princess Di. Who knows? You might be able to make money like Howard Hughes, but you surely don't want to end your life on a whimper 
and in squandered circumstances such as some of these people have. Many of these men and women whose names I have sort of tripped over just lightly tonight either have or in the process of making the biggest mistake. They're in the process of messing up their entire life. Their names may be in lights today. Their names may be household words today. Their names may be well known by the sandlot players and the high school fellows and the guys in college or even some of the fellows in uh, the semi-pro leagues, you know, they might know all of this stuff. But my friends, if you can read a newspaper, if you have eyes to see, you can see where the countless multitudes of men and women that develop one aspect of their skill fail to do anything with their immortal soul. When their soul was left, left to themselves, many of the finest athletes are behind bars tonight. They've been pushing dope. They've been caught uh, with the... Uh, uh, illicit uh, drugs in their possession. They're behind the bars. They're pleading. Here's Mercury Morris uh, fettered in this state. And there are others who have men of tremendous athletic skill, but they're down the tube. There are others like poor old Rock Hudson who died with AIDS. He was, uh, the, he was the matinee idol. He was worshipped by his uh, friends and by his supporters across the entire world. But what a mess he made out of his life. What a mess these people have made. And there are people here tonight that may have some abilities. I doubt if there's a Clark Gable here. I haven't noticed any. Some of the girls may think some of you fellows are that handsome, but I doubt it. There may be a refrigerator here. Now, to you unlettered people, the refrigerator is a guy that plays football, and he's about weighs about 350 pounds out of his prime and about 320 pounds in his prime. He's just a great big hulk about the size of this desk. But he can move fast, so they tell me. But his days are soon over. He'll soon be eaten by the worms like all the rest of us. And his fame is fleeting and his checks that he's getting promoting his wares will soon be down the drain. You, there are people here that have skillful minds and they have tremendous intellects. But back to your eternal and immortal soul, you're messing up your life. Some of you have already messed up your marriage. You've already messed up your, your bodies. You have already messed up your minds. You've made a mess out of things. You may seek your escape from the real world in drugs or in coke or in drunkenness or in, in heron or some other kind of filth. You may eventually die on the whitest of sheets as some of these very wealthy and well-known people have surrounded by the finest of medical skill. But if your life is a ruins, if you die unhappy without God, if you die godless and Christless and selfish and sodden in sin and iniquity. My friend, you've made a mess of it all. And hell is your home. And hell is your eternal doom. It's a word we don't like to hear. A word I don't like to say. But nevertheless, friend, your life is a vapor. And if it's left to you and to you alone, you may develop certain skills for a while or for certain talents for a while. You may string girlfriends like, uh, like a sea diver strings pearls. You may string boyfriends like uh, some uh, movie star idol. But my friend, you are going to pay a terrible price for your sin and for your lawlessness and your iniquity. You're making a mess out of your life. For Jesus' sake, turn it over to Jesus Christ. You'll make a mess out of it.
I don't know how many there are here tonight that have already had a chance of trying to do something with your life. You rebelled against the call of God to serve, maybe on the mission field, maybe in the ministry, maybe in Christian education. Maybe you rebelled against some other aspect of God's work. Perhaps you just rebelled against the will of God for your life. You backed up on light. You backed up on truth. You backed up on what you knew God would have you do. You went your own way. You did your own thing. Now you're sour. Now you're embittered. Now you're enmeshed in the kind of snare that the devil alone can make for unwary hearts. Friends, the longer you take getting right with God, the more involved in the morass and the mess and the quicksands of hell you will become. The more you'll have to make right, the more you'll have to set right, the more discouraged and bewildered you'll become, and eventually you may well throw up your hands and say, it's no use. I can never get out of the mess I'm in. I've made a shambles of it all. Maybe you were married, and maybe you married a lovely girl. Perhaps you were a Christian, and she was a Christian too. And you started off to have a lovely home, and raise a family, and serve God. But somewhere you got your mind on money, or you got your mind on somebody else, or you became bitter, or you got cold and careless about spiritual things, and you grew apart, and then there was trouble, and then there was divorce, and then there was separation, and then, then there was a squandered life and squandered abilities and then you ran around and you got in deeper you shanked up with more guys or you shanked up with more girls and the deeper and deeper you went into sin the farther and farther you got away from God and the bigger and bigger the the skein of life's mess became in your mind and in serious moments when you looked at the mess that your life was becoming you said my God I can never get out of this there's no way out of this mess that I'm in and so your spirits dropped and you're now you find yourself very difficult to even get inside the house of God. You're here tonight under some unusual or unique, unique providence. Some circumstance of an unusual nature has brought you here tonight. And I thank God for that because I believe there's a message here tonight for you. A message that will make it clear that there is a miracle in your life if you let Jesus Christ have his way. Hallelujah. It would be better for you never to have been born than for you to have known the way of righteousness and salvation and then take the controls of the ship of life in your own hand and do your own thing. You've been headed, you've been hitting the rocks and you're, you're getting into a storm and you're going to have a terrible, terrible wreckage one of these days. For Jesus' sake, young man, for Jesus' sake, young woman, I beg of you in Christ's name, do what our singers we're talking about tonight. Throw down an instrument of your own concern. Quit trying to paint your own portrait and do your own thing and make your way through life on your own. Surrender, surrender, surrender to Jesus Christ. Confess your sins and the waywardness of your life and ask forgiveness and ask mercy of the Lord for there's a pardon, abundant pardon for each and every one. Oh, friend, what a mess many have made. And the deeper they get, the more discouraged, the more confused, the more bewildered they become, the more hostile they become. 
the more on guard they are. They don't want mom to say anything or dad to say anything about God or about religion. They don't want anybody else to talk to them. No, they don't want to go to that old fogey church. No, they don't want to go to a revival meeting. No, they don't want to, they don't want to have you pray for them. No, no, no. Negative, negative, negative because they, their mind is filled with dark and deep despair. Their mind is crowded with gloomy thoughts that mean I can't see anyway how in the world could I ever put this mess together again I couldn't get back to my wife she's married somebody else my children hate my guts there's no way I can get out of this mess I'm in my man would never take me back I played the fool I philandered across the country and did my own thing there's no hope for me and so to the bottle and so to drugs and so to dope and and so to debauchery and more sin and if you're here tonight and you're here in the providence of God you are not here by accident you are here because in the divine providence of God he wants you to hear the message the simple message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that is tailor made for your need and for your heart and I want to say it clearly and plainly within the sound of my voice tonight I say it without successful contradiction there is not an impossible case under the sound of my voice. There are no difficult cases here tonight. There isn't anybody listening to this poor and broken and stammering message but what there is hope and redemption and salvation there is a way out for you. Which brings me to the last thing I wish to consider briefly here. And that's the miracle out of the mess. If you go back to the book of Genesis, we read that scripture, the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. That tells us that before God began to really act, regardless of what had taken place before, when God came and looked upon this earth before the days of creation, it was dark. It was void. It was without form. The face of the deep was covered, as it were, with a sackcloth of hair. But out of the chaos, out of the debris, out of the devastation, out of the, the uh, fog, out of the mists, out of those shadows, out of the mystery that was this blob, out of the, out of this nameless mammoth something or other, God came on the scene. And he came and he began to speak. And as he began to speak, then order and form and life and delight and beauty and graciousness and goodness and righteousness and holy people found their way upon it. And what I'm trying to tell you is this tonight that this is a miracle life. Paul says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The life I live in Jesus Christ tonight is a miracle life. 
It is not the kind of life that I was naturally born with. I was not born with a theological spoon in my mouth. I wasn't rocked to sleep at night with the lovely lullabies from a sanctified cradle. I never heard the word of the gospel until I was well along. My dear friend, my yesterdays were not bright with gospel promise or with spiritual encouragement or blessing. But someday there came a day when God looked upon the dark and void and formless life that was a mess because up to this point it had been my own doing. It had been, I had been occupied doing my own thing. I was molding and fashioning myself for hell and eternal ruin. And there was no order. There was no discipline. There was no beauty. There was no loveliness. There was no light. It was dark. It was void. This life was without discipline and without direction or delight. But upon that scene, one night at a simple altar, bending knees that had never bowed in prayer before, raising a head toward, a face toward God that had never looked up and prayed a prayer of repentance toward God before, lifting up hands, lifting up a heart, not knowing what it was all about, not anticipating what could possibly come out of it all, somewhat confused and bewildered by those who seemed to be on the right hand and on the left, yet out of my heart came a call, out of my heart came a cry that reached the ears of God and turned my darkness into day that made a new creature in Christ Jesus out of this one who knew nothing at all but eternal joy in my heart and songs in my soul set the Ten Commandments to music in the deep inner recesses of my heart and establish my goings my dear friend, I would like to have you understand there are no impossible cases here tonight. If we had time to take a poll, if I had time to go down the line and check this crowd out, some of you I know fairly well. I could call you by name. Others I do not know. But I'm here to tell you that if I had a way whereby I could give the people in this crowd tonight a peep show of what your yesterdays were like, I can tell you that probably 50 to 75 percent of this crowd's yesterdays would be so attractive people would line up to see what kind of an animal or sensualist or devil or hellion you were in the past. Friends, only God knows what you have been, and only God knows what I have been. And if we had the worst kind of character stand tonight, supposing we'd have a contest here tonight, I, I'm going to find the 12 most miserable, wretched sinners of yesterday tonight. And so we'd, you'd begin to tell me where you came from, and you'd begin to tell me where you went, and you'd begin to tell me of your hellish adventure in hell's half acre, and you'd begin to tell me the cesspools you snorkeled in. You'd tell me about the debauchery and the degradation and the sin and the crime and the hellishness and the deceit and the duplicity and the sexuality and the fornication and the adultery and the covetousness and the hellishness that was in your heart. Let me tell you, it would, we'd never get the contest finished because the iniquity that is represented, forgiven in the yesterdays of the men and the women that were here of such a dark nature, my dear friend Moto, of such a terrible and tremendous hue that we have no comprehension as to what 
but God in his love and his mercy has forgiven here tonight. Amen. I thank God they're all buried in the sea of his forgetfulness. They'll be remembered against us no more forever. I thank God for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. Hallelujah forever. I'm an optimist when it comes to the grace of God. The Calvinists have their limitations, and I consider them pessimists. But the grace of God, the emphasis in the New Testament, call it the Wesleyan emphasis if you want to, is a gospel of optimism, a grace that will go deeper than the stain of sin has ever gone, a grace in God that will go to plumb the depths of a man's nature. Though he strayed far from God, though his soul has been deeper, darkly stained than the stain of the worst soot from the walls of hell, yet in a moment of time the blood of Jesus Christ reaches deeper than the stain of sin has ever gone there is a fountain filled with blood it's drawn from Emmanuel's vein and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains well hallelujah tonight if we would search hell's half acre if we would dredge the gutters and the dyes of that, of that world of sin and shame and hell and degradation and take the 12 most desperate and dilapidated and degenerated fiendish personalities from that half acre of hell and we would wrap that, those 12 people into one gigantic personality until all their sinfulness, all their soddenness, all their wickedness, all their deviltry, all their hellish mischief would be rolled into one gigantic, devilish, demonic personality. Then we would wrap this person in all the evil and sinister mischief that hell could bring to pass. We would saturate them with wine and then we would take this dear dilapidated and decrepit and sinful and wicked soul and put him to sleep every night to the thunder of rock music. We'd cover him with the slime of his own vomit. We would perfume him with the mat, his matted hair and beard, beard with the sewer gases of hell. We, would do, we could put all of hell's nefarious crimes and sins upon him. But this same monstrous evil person, my friend, would not bring one bit of strain or tension to the brow of Almighty God. Hallelujah! My dear friend, in a moment of time, one single drop of the blood of Jesus Christ would reach deeper than the stain of sin is gone. There's enough power, a power in the blood of Jesus Christ to take the vilest sinner and to make him clean, to wash his soul from all the soot of hell, and in a moment of time make him a fit companion for angels and cherubims and seraphims. Hallelujah. All he has to do is cry. All he has to do is bend the knee. He doesn't need to know the theological formulas that, that my friend Danny McCain knows. He wouldn't have to know the intricacies of holiness that my friend Dale Yoakum knows. He wouldn't have to know the language of our hymns or the lullabies of our camp meetings. All he would have to do would be to bend the knee and out of the depths of his soul open his heart and his mouth wide and lift a cry in the direction of the eternal throne of God. Hallelujah! All he has to do is cry the despair and the sin and the
revelation. He doesn't need to frame a theological sentence. He doesn't need to take step, seven steps into some place or to somewhere. All he has to do, he can do it without an ounce of emotion. He can do it with a tear streaming down his cheeks. He can do it with somebody pounding him on the back. But really all he needs, all he needs is a cry. A cry acknowledging the despair of his heart. Acknowledging the degradation and the depredation of his ways. Acknowledging the foul profusion of his soul confessing the stench that pours from his morally as well as physically telling it all to God one great awful cry would reach to the throne of God I'm sure it would rattle the windows of heaven and open the doors of the celestial city and God the Father Son and Holy Ghost would let an Amazon of divine love fall out of the sky and apply the blood of Christ in a moment of time in the power of the Holy Ghost and wipe away all his yesterdays and put the songbirds singing in his heart and if he died 30 seconds later he'd be a fit subject to, to sing around the eternal throne of God with angel choirs that were singing holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty I'm trying to tell you that out of the mess there can be a miracle out of the mess there can be a change out of the mess the creator God the God who spoke in creation morning the God that spoke and tossed the mountains high and covered them with perpetual snows the God that spread the valleys with green and tacked them down with daffodils and daisies that creator God that set the fountains to bubbling and the streams to gurgling and the oceans and their endless tides to flowing that God will make you a new creature in Christ Jesus the same power that framed the world is the same power that can frame your life and can guide your life wipe away your yesterdays destroy the miserable mess that you've made and give you a new ball of, of twine so to speak give you a new skein and send you out to the school of the Holy Ghost and the word of God to build a new life in a new way with a new song and with a new way in your heart the highway of holiness before you and the everlasting city just down the line. Blessed be his name. Your marriage may be a mess. Your body may be a mess. You'd be surprised. Some would roll up their sleeves. Some would peel down their trousers. The kind of scars, the kind of marks you'd find. Your body may be loaded with chemicals. Your mind may be reeling somewhat tonight. You don't know whether you should really believe this is true or not. You wonder whether this could really be so or is this just the wild oration of an old man who has to put in a theological spoon in our mouth. Few of us came out of a Bible college. Most of us came out of the wrong, many of us came out of the wrong side of the track. Yes, your, your future without God is nothing at all. You may have made a mess out of it all, but he's able to bring light to your darkness. In closing, I'd like to take the words of Jesus as an invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in, my, in heart, and ye shall find rest 
to your soul. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Did you get the significance of that? Did you know that Jesus is the friend of sinners? Did you know that in one gospel alone, the gospel of Luke, 43 times, it says that Jesus is the friend of sinners. Would you older people, you saints that shout around, would you mind if just for a moment I'd talk to some sinner out there? You know, this camp meeting would be a failure no matter how many rivers we've crossed and aisles we've shouted and songs we've sung to a high tune if we didn't get someone in, if somebody new wasn't saved. I'd consider it a failure. They really hadn't got, got at least something done for God. But I know there are sinners out there tonight. I know there are backsliders out there tonight. I know there are people out there who made a mess out of their life, and the invitation is still the same. Uh, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. That includes you, sir, just like you are. Come with your mess. Come with the miserable mess you've made. Throw up your hands and say, Lord, I'm tired of it. I'm through with it. I'm finished with it. Lord, I'm here tonight to tell you that if you'll take me just as I am, take me just as I am, take me just as I am. I'm here to tell you, sir, he'll take you just as you are. If you're in blue jeans or shorts or a skirt and a halter, if you're here and you don't need to be embarrassed to come, if you're here tonight in some kind of a, a compromised outfit or some kind of a way that you feel uncomfortable with, I assure you, my dear friend, this is house is a place for sinners to come. Everybody here is just a sinner saved by grace, regardless of how they're attired or how they're dressed or how funny they look or whatever you may think. They're just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. Sinner friend, if you're here tonight, walk the aisles, walk the aisle, walk the aisle, step out, let God have his way. We're all sinners saved by grace. Our heart beats with your heart. Our soul, it groans with your soul. Come, come, come. Let Christ have his way in your heart. He'll take the mess. He'll take the mess. He'll perform the miracle. You can walk out of here a new creature. You can walk out of here with melody in your soul. You can walk out of here with a head that's high. You can walk out of here with hope in your heart that God will help you put your home together or put your marriage together or put your life together. Blessed be his name. He said he would not cast us out. Someone said, well, supposing that promise is not true. My friend, with what voice would he cast us out? If he were going to cast us out, voice would Jesus use to cast a poor soul out? Would he use the voice that he stilled the water? Would he use would he use the voice that said Lazarus come forth? Would he use that voice to cast you out into outer darkness? Would he use the voice that said Father forgive them they know not what they do. Would he use that voice? Nay, never. Never. My friend, that voice is a voice of invitation. That voice is a voice of welcome. That voice bids you come tonight. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise. No way, no way. Talk about common vernacular. Talk about ordinary language. He's giving it to us here. No way will I cast them out. No way will I set them aside. 
Oh, hallelujah. That's the best news a sinner has ever heard. That's the best news a backslider could ever hear. He will not cast you out. He will not cast you out. With what hands would he cast you out? With what hands would he cast you out? Would he cast you out with the hands that blessed the bread and fed the multitude? No, no, no. Would he cast you out with the hands uh, that raised the, the dead uh, or the hands that brought the lame to leaping like a heart? I should say they never would. No, my dear friend, would he cast you out with the nail-scarred hands? Why, those hands are scarred with nails because of you. Those nails, those hands have been pierced because of your sins and your iniquity. No, those hands are beckoning hands. They are welcoming hands. They are inviting hands. They're calling you tonight. Oh, dear sinner friend, the word is good. The news is good. He'll take your mess, no matter how messy the mess is. He'll take your mess no matter how big it is. He'll take your mess no matter how old it is. Blessed be his name forever. Oh, friends, your life is a vapor. It's passing away. It'll soon be gone. You better do something with your life now. You better get rid of the mess. You better hand it over to Christ. You better bow the knee. You better call on him. You're not joining anything when you come here to this altar. You're not joining a church. Nobody here is going to baptize you. No one's going to catechize you. We will pray with you. We will ask, join in with you. Oh God, have mercy upon me and save me for Jesus' sake. Well, Brother Small, will he, what will he forgive? If you'll confess them all, he'll forgive them all. Well, do I have to forgive them to you, old man? No, don't confess them to this old man. Confess them to the great high priest. Confess them to Jesus. Amen. Your psychologist hasn't been able to do you much good. And your psychiatry hasn't done too much for you either. But I'm here to tell you, if you'll part out the whole miserable rotten mess in the ears of Jesus Christ, you don't need to go down the line one by one and two by two. Just part out, Lord, I'm a sinner. Have mercy upon me and save me for Jesus' sake. Lord, I'm sick and tired of it all. I leave it all behind. Have mercy upon me and save me. For Jesus' sake. And I'm here to tell you, friend, that cry will bring angel, the rustling of angels' wings, but it'll bring the power of the Holy Ghost applying the vicarious atonement, the blood of Jesus Christ to the deep nature of your heart. And in a moment of time, I mean a moment of time, I don't mean a half an hour, as soon as you repent and your faith reaches through to God, you'll be in paradise like the thief on the side of the cross. This day shalt thou be with me in paradise. And I'm here to tell you the new birth is a paradise. <laughs> Praise God. How much time do I have, Brother Smule? Not much. How many days do we have, Brother Smule? I don't know. I have no idea how much time I have. I have no idea how much time you have. I know time is short for me. I'm doing less and less for myself and more and more for the kingdom because I don't have much time. I don't have much time. I was in South Carolina a few weeks ago with Bob England. I guess just a matter of about three weeks ago. 
Oh, that precious man. What wonderful times, how he preached, how he rejoiced, big old, long, lanky, strung out Bob, muscular kind of fellow, powerfully built fellow. I couldn't believe my ears a couple days later that he was in the hospital, taken home. You know the rest of the story. Cancer of the kidney, kidney was taken out. They hoped they got everything. But I got to thinking, I wonder what you're carrying around. I wonder what you're carrying around, Harold. What are you carrying about? Could this something that I'm sensing in my head, could that be a tumor? This pressure, these continual headaches, I wonder what they are. This something that wakes me up in the middle of the night and shakes the bed. My heart is going bang, 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 bang. And I wake up out of a sound. What is this? What am I being told? What's happening to me? I wonder what you're carrying around. This crowd won't be the same next year. Familiar faces I look out upon tonight will not be here another year. And they'll not all be old, gray, beat up characters like some that are nodding their heads. There are going to be a lot of younger ones out there that's going to go too. Maybe I won't be here to even look out on anybody. Who knows? Only God knows how much time do you have. Your life's a mess. Some of you older people have made a mess out of your life. But whatever, give the mess to Christ. How much time do we have? How much time do we have? Something's ticking away. Ticking away in each and every one of us. The poison even now seeping into our mind seeping into our system, little by little, little by little, day by day. It may be three years from now, it may be five, but time, time, ticking away, ticking away. Our life of vapor appears for a little season. It's gone. The place that knew us knows us no more. A memory soon to be forgotten. It's amazing how quickly we forget those who slipped ahead of us. We make a great to-do about it while they're here. But when they're gone, they rush on in our busy way and soon forget, and soon forget. I had a newspaper boy in Rochester, fine boy, why, that lad came around, delivered the paper, not only regularly every day, but I remember the last night he came by. He came whistling along and slung the paper on the porch. But by before nightfall, he was in the local hospital. Some kind of a mysterious virus fastened on him, and a few days later, he was gone. Fourteen years old. How quickly. I was going down the road near home into a little town called Winona. A bunch of boys were playing ball in the yard, and I always liked to watch fellas play ball. Teenagers, one fellow 17 years of age, played his last game of ball that night. 
went to sleep. After a while, was awakened by disturbances in his, his chest. And he was up and down, up and down all night long. The parents heard him getting up and down. Didn't think too much about it, just wondered what was wrong, but nothing important, you know. Matter of fact, they slept through two or three times and he managed to get up. But in the morning when they started rousing round, he called to his mother who was up first, said, Mom, Mom. And she came and said, what do you want? He said, Mom, I'm awfully sick. Well, what's wrong? Mom, I don't know, but I've been up and down all night long and I've had a terrible time going to and from the bathroom. I'm awfully sick. About that time, his father came by there and said, what's wrong, son? Oh, he said, Dad, I'm awfully sick. Mom, he said, I wish you'd call the doctor. Well, she went over and put her hand on his head. Terrific fever. Father bent over and laid his hand. Boy, he said, this boy does have a fever. He's in bad, seems like in bad shape. He said, Mom, Mom, call a doctor quick. I'm going to die. Mom, call the doctor before I die. Well, she said, you're all right. You're not going to die. Don't be frightened. Don't. His father looked at him and said, Honey, we better get the doctor. This boy is sick. He put his hands up like this and said, Mom, Mom. And she put her head to his and he embraced her and before he released his embrace the boy was gone a virus fast enough old must die young may die my friend there's forgiveness with the Lord some time ago I read a little story that meant a lot to me I guess some of these stories touch me because I think they sort of, some ways, fit me. The young fellow ran away from home and been away from home for quite a while. He came into Philadelphia and came into the Pennsylvania station. He'd been begging now for quite a while, quite some time. And he tapped a fellow on the shoulder and he said to him, he was about, Mr., could you spare a dime? That's when a dime meant a lot. And when the fellow turned around, he saw it was his father. And he said, Dad, do you know me? And the father looked at the disheveled, wild appearing, tattered, matted boy, and threw his arms around him and said, My son, my son, what are you doing here? I've been hunting for you. I've been looking for you, son. Weeping in his father's arms, sobbing out his rebellion to his father, his father said, oh, son, come home, come back, do what's right, son, and all I have is yours. And writing about the experience later on, the boy said, to think of it, I was out panhandling the crowd, begging for a dime. And my father would have freely forgiven me and everything he had was mine. You know, friends, the Lord Jesus Christ is here tonight. 
If there's a if there's a hungry sinner here tonight, and you act on what you know, that's all you got to do. Arise from where you're at and head toward Father's house. And if you will, the Father will see you coming as surely as the New Testament boy saw his dad. There's full and free forgiveness. What is your life? It's a vapor. It may be a mess tonight, but Jesus Christ can make it a miracle. While we stand together, we're singing quietly, reverently. I want people that have a spiritual need. I want the unconverted. I want sinners. I, I would like to have sinners come, people who are unconverted. I'd like to have backsliders. This altar's open for you. If there's anybody here that's not really ready, we've had a lot of altar service and a lot of altar calls, but if you're here tonight and have a need of any kind, come on, while we sing. Almost persuaded. Will you step right out from where you are? Sinner, come home. Don't be almost persuaded, but entirely persuaded to give God the first place in your heart. Give your heart to Jesus Christ. Get saved. You've made a mess out of it. You've made a mess out of your life. You're in a mess right now. But it can all be changed. In a moment of time, forgiving love some and meet the need of your heart. To say, Are you coming? Are you coming? Sinner? Backslider? Wayward so sinner, daughter? Come on. God is dealing. The Spirit of the Lord is working here tonight. Come on, let's mind the Lord. Come home. after you sing another verse I wonder if we could sing that song come home come home ye that are weary come home sing that one more verse and then people pray are you praying out there are you minding God pray some, some mother's boy some father's boy some people that are mixed up in their marriage folks that have made a mess out of their life made a mess out of their marriage made a mess out of their bodies messed up their mind. Their minds are bewildered. Their minds are confused. They made a mess out of it all. They need God. They need salvation. Jesus Christ can do for them what nobody else could possibly do. Come on. Pray, saints. Mind God. You Christian workers, if you feel impressed and talk to somebody about their soul, come on. God is here to meet every need. Come on. Let the Spirit of God have His way. We're not going to tell you a long time, but I know that God put this message on my heart today for this crowd, for this hour, for this time. Come on, let God have his way. Are you coming? Are you coming? I want us all to bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, we thank Thee that this simple truth carries the gospel of Christ. This simple truth will get people to heaven. We pray, Lord, at this moment, Thou will help yeah. the Christian workers to be alert. 
You'll talk to that wayward boy or that wayward girl. You'll bring that sinner home. You'll bring that backslider in. You'll help that one that's made a mess out of their life to mind God. Oh, God, help us tonight in a special way. We don't know who will be next of our number to slip across the line of worlds. But, Lord, we're looking forward to a city where they need no sun because their hearts are right. But there are those who have only darkness and blackness and eternal despair to look to because they're not right and they're not ready. They could be out in eternity in a moment of time. In an accident, in sickness, in calamity. Oh, God, hear us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing it, brother. We are joined with him in singing it. Congregation, I know you're tired and you're weary. It's been a long, heavy day, but pray and sing and participate. This is somebody's opportunity, somebody's opportunity. Oh, God, help us tonight. Sinner, backslider, father, mother outside of grace. Those of you that have made a mess out of your life, Christ is here to meet the need, to satisfy your heart, to bring you into salvation's fold. Come on, while we sing. Sing it with him if you will, please. Come home. Come while Sister Edwards plays. Do you have the kind of experience you'd be willing to die by? Do you? If you were put to the test right now, I didn't, I'm not asking, do you want to die? But if the experience you have at this moment wouldn't take you through the chilly waters of death, it's not safe to live by. Did you hear what I said? Yeah. If it's not safe to die by, it's not safe to live by. Do you have the kind you'd be willing to die by? Victoriously, triumphantly in the grace of God, do you have that kind? That's the kind we're going to have to have without any question marks, without any guesswork, 
without any doubts in our mind. We're going to pillow our head one of these days, maybe sooner than we think. We think of others slipping out in a hurry and we wonder how long they'll be here. There are, I'm going to make a statement right now, there are people here tonight that'll be in eternity a lot quicker than some others you think are going to be gone soon. And I'm telling you the truth, out of this great crowd, there are numbers of people who are going to cross the line of worlds before some people we've all, before some who we have talked about, like Bob England, who has a very serious condition and may be coming out of it. Long before Bob England is gone, some of you dear people could be gone. Do you have the kind of experience you'd be willing to die by? Do I have that kind? Have I lived the kind of life that I would be willing to die by? Well, if I'm not willing to die by it, then it's not safe to live by. Sing one more verse, unless two or more come, or Brother French or someone has an exhortation to make, I'll feel clear to close. Time's time. Did you hear it? Quickly, if you're coming, time is now fleeting. Time is now fleeting. There's one here. Is there another one? Is there anyone else? Hurry if you're coming. Oh, God. Oh, God. Help that one. Do you have the kind of experience you're willing to die by? Willing to die by. Willing to die by. Are you coming? Another's coming, thank God, and another. Come home, hurry if you're coming. Come home, come home, come home. Come home, come home, come quickly. That's right, that's right, come quickly, come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. The Master's calling, the invitation is out. He'll not cast you out, he'll not cast you out. No matter how wicked or sinful you've been, he said he would not cast you out. Whosoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Pray and sing it with him if you will. Please sing with the with the song leader if you will. Sing it again. Come home, come home, a number came. Sing it with him. Participate in the invitation. Are you coming? Hurry if you are. Hurry if you are. Hurry if you are. Someone's last night. Someone's last opportunity. Somebody's last message. God help us here tonight. Find God tonight in the back and in the corners. Find God tonight. Obey God tonight. Oh! 
simple gospel message was made for someone. This is something basically fresh in my own mind and thinking. I know tonight that God has somebody special here for this message. No doubt. They haven't come yet, but I believe they will. Oh, friend, come. You can come to Jesus, sick of sin, he'll take you in. The only sin he can forgive is the sin you won't confess. Why don't you come? We're going to sing it one more time. Before we sing, I want the congregation to bow their heads in prayer one more time. I want that we ask God to direct us to someone. Lord. Lay some soul upon my heart. Someone that you've been talking to me about, Lord. Help me find them. This may be the last time. I don't know whether I'll ever have another opportunity to issue this invitation again. You may never have an opportunity to get this loved one, a friend, a brother, a child, a son, a daughter in. Lord, lay that soul upon our heart. Help us in the closing moments of this song. Lord, that one out there, we know they're there. They're, we feel them. They're on our heart. We sense them. God, break the heart of stone. It may be a girl, a young woman. It may be a young man. They may be only 25 or 35, but they're there, Lord. They've made a mess, but you can forgive. You can give them the tools to build anew for trusting thee. All right, we're going to sing. We're going to sing it through one time. We're going to sing it twice. This is all, unless quite a number come. 
They'll sing no more. Come on, sing it. Sing, sing it with him. Pray with us. Come on, let's mind God. Everybody mind God. If God's laid somebody on your heart, see them right away. Let's obey the Lord. If, let's obey God. Hurry if you're coming. Hurry. play a little brother Edwards time for you to come time for you to come brother small I'm not there tonight but I would like to be remembered in prayer as the saints break up and go different parts of the country I'm not coming down to you but I do have a spiritual need and I'm especially looking in the back of the crowd tonight but anywhere and everywhere if you have a spiritual need you'd like to be remembered in the prayers of God's people would you put your hand up high God bless you God bless you God bless you God bless those who raise their hand another hand anyone anywhere the fountain lies open the altar still open to anyone who wishes to come let God's people gather in around this altar for prayer. Let's pray for those who have spiritual needs. You have to go. Go quietly and go reverently. Amen. Let the saints gather in. If you have a spiritual need, the altar is still open. Still get in. The fountain's still open for sin and for uncleanness. Come on. Let him have his way. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855, USA.